We're talking about the real God versus the religious God. We're talking about the real one who does real things, and we're talking about the one they've made up. We're talking about the real one from the Bible, and we're talking about the one they made up. And you and I have to be very careful in the hour we live in to walk with the real God, our Father, Abba, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to do too much reviewing, but I want you to start with me in our main text. And I usually don't do main text, so to speak, but I want to look at 1 Corinthians. And I just feel instructed to read them every time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was, man, uh, preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Everybody say demonstration. demonstration. So the real God does what? He demonstrates. I said, the real God does what? So when the word of God, when the gospel, when the good news, when the word of God is preached, what should always happen? Demonstration. It doesn't always, a demonstration doesn't have to be spectacular, but every demonstration of God is supernatural. I think sometimes we miss the supernatural, always looking for the spectacular. Amen. But God is a demonstrator and he will demonstrate to you. And it says that your faith, how many of you know, the, the, it says your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So if God wants your faith to stand in something, yes, your faith is in the word, but the word always produces the power of God. God is love. God is holy, but he has power. And what he wants to do in this hour is demonstrate his power. Amen. The same God of the old covenant is a, a, the God of the new covenant. We just have new and better promises. But the, the God of power and demonstration is still our God. Amen? It says that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Everybody say, my faith stands in the power of God. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 5 and 6. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. So when the gospel, when the good news comes, it's not just words. So when the gospel, the good news is preached to you, right? When the good news is preached to you, what happens? There should be a demonstration. Amen. So when the word of God is preached, we ought to expect a demonstration. If there's no demonstration, I don't know who we're looking to. If we never expect God to demonstrate, then I believe that's the religious God that they made up to make them feel comfortable. But the real God always demonstrates. Now, am I saying every time I preach, we ought to run around the room, swing from the chandeliers, roll on the carpet? I'm not saying that at all. Is every meeting a healing meeting? No. But even the works of Jesus, one of the things he did was teach. But when he taught, faith came. And healings happened. And miracles happened. And lives were changed. Why? Because he is the word made flesh. And the word was always demonstrating. Come on, Jesus went about doing. And what is that? A demonstration of his goodness. He went about doing it. The real Jesus is a demonstrator. He said, I, listen, he said, I only say what I hear my father say. But then there's a whole lot of doing. And he said, I only do what I've seen my father do. There's a doing. 
Amen. For our gospel came not to you in word only. So when the gospel comes, it's not just words. What is it? Power. And in the Holy Ghost, everybody say Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, and you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word of God in much affliction, with joy in the Holy Ghost. So we talk to you about the God who answers by fire. He's the real God. And how many you know, even in the church age, God answered by fire in the book of Acts. And then we talked about God being your deliverer. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He delivered Daniel. And that same God will deliver you out of all of your troubles. He has delivered. He does deliver. And he'll always deliver you. We serve a delivering God. And he'll get you out of your troubles, even the ones you created. And even the ones that somebody else created for you. Amen. And so just to jump right in, I want to talk to you about something I mentioned last time. But the real God answers prayer. The religious God that they've made up, they send prayers to. They talk about prayer. They pray in a way where they don't expect him to answer. They pray to soothe their conscience and to soothe people's conscience around them. I brought this up. I remember the first time I went to the city council here to pray. And, you know, they do it as a formality. It's a kind of a nod to we live in Alabama. And so everybody kind of expects it. And so they go in and, you know, and I'm not, I've never been there when a lot of people pray, but the Lord just dealt with me. He said, be very careful not to go in with a written prayer so that you look good. If you're going to pray, make it a prayer. Talk to me. Don't talk to them when you pray. Don't recite something when you pray. Do not diminish prayer. And so, you know, I know a lot of people, I don't know if you've heard people, um, you know, they say, well, I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, we're sending love and prayers. But you see, that's the religious, it, you don't send anybody prayers. I send my prayers to you. Quit it. Quit sending your prayers. You're not going to find a scripture for it. Quit sending them. That's why the word is diminished. That's why they don't respect it. That's why they're mad at it. Because it's religious. There's no power in it. If you're going to pray, pray. Tell them what you prayed. Give them the word that you prayed and tell them what you're expecting because you prayed. Because the real God answers. The religious one, no, he don't. There, there's no answer. Why? Because when people pray religiously, God can't answer that. There's nothing for him to work with. You all right? Amen. Well, let, let's just show you Matthew chapter 6. Now, remember, Jesus was awful mad at the heathen all the time when he was on the earth, wasn't he? He, just, he wouldn't eat with them. He didn't like them. He wouldn't visit them. Right? Because he said, y'all sick, and I know you're sick, and I haven't come to help you. It's the religious that I love. I'm, I'm going to eat with them. I'm going to talk nice about them. Them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Oh, that was John the Baptist, wasn't it? Anyway, Matthew 6. He didn't like him either. Matthew 6. Um, talking about prayer. Let's see where to pick up. Let's do, do verse 5. And when you pray, Jesus is correct. He's talking to religious people. Well, verse 1 says, take heed that you do your alms before, uh, not to do your alms before men. In other words, you don't, don't do your giving in front of everybody so everybody can see it. 
Otherwise, you have no reward. And then, so he's dealing with them about it. He's like, y'all, when you give your alms, you you sound a trumpet. And then uh, do your alms in secret. Uh, So the alms mean like when you're giving to the poor, when you're doing good things for people, you don't have to, hey, everybody, look how wonderful I am. Because if that's what you do, then that's all you get. Verse 5. And when you pray, and he said, and likewise, when you pray, that you uh, don't do as the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and in corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. So prayer is not to be seen of men. It really doesn't matter what men think when you're praying because if your audience is a man, it's not really prayer. When you rest, recite, some, and now don't anybody get mad at me. If you're somewhere and they say, let's recite, even the Lord's Prayer they've made religious. Did you know it was not meant to be recited? Now, if you're somewhere and someone asks you to recite it, you recite it. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Do not make a deal. Say, my pastor said we ought not do this. Don't make a deal. If you're going to do that, wear your Baptist shirt. Hallelujah. Um, but even, you know, the, you know, the Lord's prayer was not meant to be recited. It was, a, it was Jesus teaching them how to pray. And then yet religion turned it into a recited prayer. The very thing he said don't do. Aren't humans funny? We love to be comfortable. We love order. We love it our way. And you and I's flesh, if we don't watch it, we love tradition. We love to feel comfortable. He said, um, the, don't stand in the synagogue and, and that you be seen of men. Verily I send to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetition as heathen do, for they think they shall be heard by their much speaking. That is not how God hears you. So let's go back to this. Listen to me. I know some things and I want to get it to you. I preached some things over the year about prayer. Um, and, and a lot of times in our circle, yes, you need to know how to pray the prayer of faith. But the prayer of faith is not the only prayer to pray. Prayer of faith is mostly about you receiving everything the Lord has done for you. And you need to get real good at it. Because why would you leave behind anything that Jesus provided for you? You ought to know how to pray the prayer of faith. And you know how to receive the promises of God. Because they're yes and amen in Christ. But that's just one kind of prayer. There's the prayer of consecration, where you dedicate your life to the Lord. How many, you know, we ought to do that. There's a united prayer, where we all gather together. We do that on Wednesdays at noon. Sunday nights, we have prayer groups. There's united prayer. There's uh, praise and worship is really, uh, uh, if you put it properly, it's in the prayer category. It's in the prayer category. So there's all, there's uh, intercession, where you pray. Every prayer meeting is not an intercession meeting. Every prayer meeting is not an intercession because intercession is approaching the king on behalf of someone who has no stance with him. So every prayer meeting is not intercession, but we ought to pray for the lost. Amen. Supplicate all these kinds of prayers. But I want to get you back to the place of prayer because of what I see in the word of God. See, 
prayer to the real God is very important. Someone where I grew up and I, I heard about him some, but it wasn't really until after I understood some things. John Wesley, I think, is, is known for this quote. Other people may have said it too. It seems as though God can do nothing until somebody on the earth prays. Why? It's a legal thing. The devil will never be able to say that God did something unjustly because you and I, because we're human beings, we have acts that we can bring God to the earth because we pray. There is a reason that the devil is trying to poke at, punch at prayer. There's a reason that the devil wants to make it religious. There's a reason that he wants the heathen, the lost ones who need prayer more than anybody to reject prayer as it is. But you know what? They ought to if there's no power in it. And so we as the church, I can't explain, I can't speak for anybody else, but for you and I, listen to me, we need to get back to the basics of making prayer what it's supposed to be because God needs us to pray so that he can move. And he wants to demonstrate. He wants to show up in power. All right, I gotta get going. Hallelujah. So let's look at... Um, uh, before I get, remember, I'll just remind you, remember 1 Kings 18? Do you remember when Elijah, by the Spirit of God, challenged the Baal worshippers, children of Israel, backslidden? And he said what? You call on your God. What is that? What is that? You call on your God. What is that? Prayer. Well, that, that's a false God. Well, I'm, I'm afraid to say sometimes a lot of people who uh, say they go to church, who, you know, say they love the Lord, but they have traded in the real God for a religious God because the religious God can never answer them. They don't expect anything. They really, in a lot of ways, don't want anything. They just do it as a formality. Jesus said it's a tradition of men, and it makes the word of God of no effect. So when people pray with tradition, with no expectation, they're making even prayer of none effect, and it causes it to be watered down. And so even then in the old covenant, remember what happened? Oh, I can't let you go. I, I, I got I, I to gotta, I gotta get it to you. I got to remind you. 1 Kings 18, 27. So it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. For he is, is he a God? Either is he is talking or he's pursuing or he's on a journey or poor adventure. He sleeps and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. Why are you bringing this up, Pastor Mark? This is a false God. Well, I think in so many ways, because this God that they're praying to does nothing, says nothing. There's no demonstration. He's false, he's fake, he's phony. And yet, a lot of people, that's the way they look at our God, our Father. And our God is none of those. He is not fake, he is not made up, he is not phony, he is not real, he is real, he has power. He's able to save, deliver, and heal. He is the real God who always has been and always will be. So that's why I'm bringing this up. Because a lot of times when people send a prayer, they're not expecting anything. But when you and I pray, I'm expecting something. I'm expecting the real God to answer. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Verse 29. And it came to pass, at midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, that there was no voice, no answer, nor any that regarded. The false god, no answer. Everybody said, no. See, no answer, no or none. And yet a lot of people expect today, well, sometimes God doesn't answer. Give me chapter and verse. Sometimes he's silent. Well, just in case there had somebody, well, sometimes God is silent. Do you know, I looked and through in the song, I mean, in Job, it wonders why God is silent. Uh, the psalmist David is saying a couple places, don't be silent. But in, God didn't say I'd be silent. The only time God is silent and when, is when he's being merciful. When Israel needed judgment and he was postponing it. Basically, he's like, y'all better be glad I didn't answer you right now. I'm just letting it simmer. That's when God is silent. People say, well, sometimes God says no. Well, he'll say no to you personal things. If you want to do something that's not his will, uh, he'll say no to you uh, when, you know, you want something that's not good for you, but that's personal. But he's not, he, never says, he, he never says no or is silent about salvation. He never says no or is silent about your healing. He never says no or is silent about your blessing. He never is silent or says no about everything that Jesus promised. He's never silent about. So if you people, sometimes people say to you, well, God's just being quiet. Well, if God's being quiet to you, maybe that means he's holding back judgment. But there's not a lot of scriptures about our God being quiet and not answering back. So let's get rid of that one. God does want to answer. And when he answers, he's the God that answers by fire. When the, he's, he, he is love and he is holy, but he's got a whole lot of power and he's willing to show it. And what does it seem needs to happen? Well, it seems to me that people need to pray. So let's look at Numbers chapter 21. Uh, I'm going to show you some old covenant things. I'm going to show you some new covenant things. And then hopefully we've got enough time. I'm going to leave you with something that you understand where you and I are right now. All right. Woo, I'm excited about this. Hallelujah. Numbers. 21. Familiar scriptures to you. Numbers 21. And uh, so let's look at Numbers 21, 7. Um, uh, this is when the children of Israel were backslidden. So the people came to Moses, verse 7. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Uh, so we talked bad about God. We talked bad about you, the leader. And um, pray. We're in trouble. Pray. Everybody say pray. So what do you think he did? He prayed. It seems as though God can do nothing until you do what? So prayer is in the old covenant. So they, he prayed. And he prayed that the, uh, the, that the Lord would take away the serpents. And Moses prayed for the people. So he prayed to God and he prayed for the people. And the Lord said, so Moses did what? Moses did what? Can you pray? Can you pray? Is he the same God? Is, is God the same God that, that was listening to Moses? Was he? And so, what it, what it, so God did what? Moses is not born again. But God answered him. Come on, you're born again. Moses is living under, he's in the old covenant. I mean, he's way, he's even before the, uh, uh, any kind of real covenant. I mean, there's, we have a better covenant. But he prayed. Everybody say he prayed. And everybody say the Lord answered. The Lord answered what? Make a fiery serpent set up on a pole. And it came to pass that everyone that's bitten when he looks at it shall live. And Moses did what? He did what the Lord said. My point is, Moses prayed, God gave an answer. 
And when God gave an answer, Moses did what he said. People ask, how do you be successful in life? You pray, you hear God, and you do what he says. End of seminar. You pray, you hear God, and you do what he says. You pray, you hear God. Here he gave him a strategy. It was particular to the moment. So don't go home and put up a fiery serpent on a pole at your house. It won't work for you because that was a point of Jesus. But, uh, you know, okay, I'm here. So even like Jericho, you know, I know a lot of people in the church want to do it. There's a house I want. So I'm going to go do a Jericho march around it because there's 30 bids on it and I want it. Well, first of all, y'all, this is Alabama and you better be careful what you're marching around, what time you're marching around it. But just because you march around something, if the Lord didn't tell you to do it, it's not going to work for you. I've had people tell me, well, I went down to the car dealership, and I laid hands on the Beamer, and I believed that I received. And like, well, how'd it go? Well, I ain't got it. I didn't get it. Well, if the Lord, <laughs> Lord didn't tell you to go lay hands on a Beamer, then your faith is not there. Maybe you have 10-year-old car faith, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But just because you, well, I heard a testimony. Well, but you've got to pray. Now, if the word is the word, just take the word and do it. But when individual things come to you, what do you got to do? You got to pray, get a strategy, and do it. Everybody say pray. pray. God answers, pray. and do it. But see, God's power was in that. Can you see that? God answered with power. Because everyone who looked at the fiery serpent lived. There's power in his answer. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 20. Woo! Second Chronicles 20. You all know this account. Um, they were surrounded by the enemy. Jehoshaphat, verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. What is that? That's praying. And proclaimed a fast. Oh, that's fasting and praying. And Judah gathered together to ask help of the Lord. What is that? So the leader's praying. Now everybody in Judah comes to do what? Everybody comes to do what? Mm -hmm. No, the prayers pray. The, the, The intercessors pray. The staff prays. No, everybody prayed. Because it affected everybody. Everybody say, everybody prayed. (laughs) They began to seek the Lord. What is that? Prayer. And then Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court. And he said, I'm not going to read all of it. But he said, oh, Lord, what did he do? He began to tell the Lord who he was, who the Lord was. I'll just read it. God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the heathen. Your hand, in your hand is there not power and might so that none is... Ba- oh, he's talking, God, this is who you are. Come on, that reminds me of Acts chapter 4. God, this is who you are. You're the almighty God. And, and verse 7, art thou not our God? Uh, oh, just not God. You're my God. You're my God. This is old covenant. 
You're my God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, your friend. Uh-uh. Now what do you do? I just invoked some covenant while I'm here. This is about your friend Abraham. Come on, we've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Come on, we're coming because of covenant. I've got a covenant with you because of your son. I'm now an heir and a joint heir with you. Come on, when I pray, I, I need you to listen. I need you to listen. And he's willing to listen. But somebody's got to pray. And, and uh, he, you know, he talked about, then verse 9, he said, If then evil comes upon us, because it's all around him, we stand in your house and in your presence. And we cry to you in our affliction, then you're going to hear us and you're going to help us. What is that? They're used to God doing something. They want God. They've, they've seen him do it. They're used to God doing something. He's not religious to them. He's powerful to them. I'm not going to, we're not just getting together to show you we're all here. We're coming together because we know that when you, we pray, you hear us. And when you hear us, you're going to tell us what to do. And when you tell us what to do, it's always going to work. Amen. And then what happened? Verse 15, and it came upon a prophet. He said, all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord God. Be not afraid, don't be dismayed, because the reason this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it's God. And then he said, tomorrow, this is what you need to do. So they prayed, all of them. They heard, all of them. And they did exactly what God told them to do. And what happened? Those three armies turned on themselves, and each and every one of them was all killed. I don't know how it happened. I just know that it did. And besides that, they didn't ask for it. But then they carried away all the spoils. Took them three days to do it. They didn't ask for any of that. That was just extra. Amen. But what happened? They prayed. The real God answers prayer. The real God is a demonstrator. The real God does stuff. The religious one doesn't answer. Am I saying that there's two gods? No, but, but just like fake gods in the old covenant, people have a fake, they don't know, he's real. This is not a religious exercise on Sunday morning. We're not just doing this to soothe our conscience. We're living life with someone. He's our father. He's our God. He's the almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Second Chronicles 7, just to show you this one. In the old covenant, uh, we'll go backwards. But Second Chronicles 7, they were, it says, Now when Solomon made an end of praying, he, he prayed and what happened? Fire came down. And consumed the burnt offering, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So much so the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because of the glory. When the children of Israel saw the fire come down, the glory lowered upon the house, they bowed themselves, their faces to the ground upon the pavement. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He's good, and His mercy endures forever. When they prayed, when Solomon prayed, what happened? This is not the dedication of the temple there. Uh, it's a different time. He prayed, and what happened? The, the, the Lord answered by fire. The glory of God came, consumed the offering. The priest couldn't stand to minister, and all the people bowed down. Lord, you are good. 
Come on, the God who answers by fire is God. But I'm telling you what, if we want to help this nation, if we want to help our friends, if we want to help our family, we need to get back to some real praying. Real praying. Real praying. Real praying. Where God the Father hears us. Where we come to him with the word like, like they did there, like Jehoshaphat did. Just going on. Then later in Second, uh, in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and and will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land." Prayer is very important, and so I want you to look at the Book of Acts. I've been waiting to get here. I was hoping we have time. We got we got a little time for me to preach just a little bit. Acts chapter uh, one. I, I remember back in the storefront, so this has got to be almost 30 years ago, the Lord began to deal with me because I was asking him how to grow a church because I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I asked the Lord, help me, because you can go to seminars and they can tell you how to do this. And they can tell you how to do that. And I, I don't, I'm not opposed to those. But I just began to ask the Lord, how, you know, you sent me down here. Surely you, you've got a plan. And so he said, I want you to go through the book of Acts, and every time the church grew, I want you to trace it back to something. He didn't tell me what I was tracing it back to, but I can tell you, as most of you have heard this from me before, but you can ta- uh, in the book of Acts, you can trace every, uh, every major explosion of God, uh, increase in the church, you can trace it back to prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brethren. So there was 120 people in an upper room, and the first thing they were doing was doing what? They were praying. They weren't there for a religious exercise. They, were, they, they, they had old covenant proof that when, God, when you call on God, he answers. They've spent most of the apostles... They have spent time with Jesus, and they've watched Jesus pray. When Jesus would go away, I don't have time to get into it, but you find when Jesus prayed, every time he prayed, something major happened afterwards. Yes, you need to learn how to pray the prayer of faith or, or you know, uh, the prayer petition. You need to know how to receive that. But there's other times you just need to spend time with the Lord and let him download some plans into you. Uh, you need to take, take the word to him, but let him give you an answer. Let him give you a strategy. So they were there. They didn't know what was about to happen. They'd never seen this before, but they were all in prayer. Everybody said they were all praying. And they were in unity. And they were in one accord. And then what happened? Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And cloven the God who answers by fire. And so they were praying, and God answered by fire, all right? So there we see that. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. How many know doctrine's important? Fellowship. How many know fellowship's important? Getting a connect group. Um, breaking of bread. Eating with one another. This also has the inference of partaking of communion. But, but breaking bread. And prayers. And when they prayed, what happened? And they were all that believed were together, had all things in common. And then um, in verse uh, 43, back up, it says, And the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So they did have doctrine. They did have fellowship. They did um, uh, commune with one another, partake of communion. But they prayed. 
And when they prayed, God answered. And what happened? The great uh, reverence came because many wonders and signs. God is a demonstrator. God is a demonstrator. Well, he's just doing this to start the church. Well, he already started the church. That doesn't fly. Well, all this stuff is done away with with the last apostle. Well, the last apostle is still living. Because the office has not been done away with. The word still works. He's the same God now as he was for Jehoshaphat, for Moses. He's the same demonstrator as he was with the apostle Paul, with Peter. Why? The same demonstrator as he was with Jesus. Why? Because it's the same Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost. And we ought to be seeing more, not less. I'm just trying to encourage you. We serve a real God who has real answers, who has real power. Let's make sure that we're not, we're not um, giving in to religiosity and not expecting anything. Are y'all with me? Let's go through some of these. Acts um, chapter 3. Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. This was a regular thing. They prayed on a regular basis. They prayed daily. They didn't just pray when they needed something. Prayer was a part of their life. And they went daily to the temple. And then, just listen to me, on their way to prayer, God did something. People of prayer, because prayer people, you're in contact with God. So I'm not just contacting God when I have a need, when I have a want. I'm, part of uh, prayer is fellowship, where you're always communing with God. But it's not just you talking. What, after you get done talking, maybe you ought to listen. Because he might give you a strategy. He might give you an answer. No, he will give you a strategy. He will give you an answer. Get rid of that might. He will. He will. He will. And so they were on their way to prayer. And then suddenly a miracle happened. What, what am I saying? Even on the way to prayer, because your people love prayer, miracles can happen. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus. And the man expecting to receive something did what? He jumped up and leaped and my goodness. And then uh, kind of chaos went around. Remember then the people said, you can't preach anymore in that name. And so they decided not to preach anymore in that name because they didn't want to get in trouble anymore. And they shut it all down. That's not what happened. They went to their own company. Come on, they went to their own company. Everybody needs a company. Everybody needs a group of friends, a group of believers, a church home. Everybody needs one. Because when you get in trouble, you need to be able to go to your own company. And your own company needs to know how to pray. Your own company needs to know how to pray. I said your own company needs to know how to pray. And then what they do? They did the same thing Jehoshaphat did. They begin to tell God who he was. They begin to tell God who he is. Because you've got to know who God is. When you approach him boldly, when you talk, I know who you are. You're the almighty God. You're the same God as you were yesterday. If you did it for Moses, if you did it for the children of Israel, if you did it for Jesus, if you did it for Peter, if you did it for John, you'll do it for me. That's what kind of God you are. You're my father. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. And when after that, after they get done praying, the place was shaken. That's great. The place was shaken. I'm not looking for a physical shaking. If it happens, great. You know, in the book of Daniel, everybody gets excited when someone falls out under the power. I'm looking for the day when God picks people back up. Because that's what he did with Daniel. Daniel was face down. Suddenly, somebody touched him on the back, and it raised him up on the palms and, and, and his knees. Nobody did it. He, he didn't do it on his own. Something lifted him up. People get excited when people fall out. I'm looking for him to stand back up. The ushers be like, ooh, this is easy. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about getting up on your own. I'm talking about God picking you up. Oh, Pastor Mark, I'm not saying he's going to do it. I just said it'd be cool. After what happened, verse 33, and with great power, after they prayed, the place was shaken. Everybody say great power. God's a demonstrator. God's a demonstrator. But they prayed. They prayed. God demonstrated. Peter was in prison. They prayed. John didn't make it. Well, it was just his time to go. Well, then why, why wasn't it Peter's time to go? I don't think they understood. They, but they prayed for Peter. Remember they prayed? They were at John Mark's mama's house. You all remember that? It's not my notes, but you remember that? So, and then what happened after they prayed? God sent an angel. What is that? That's power. It's a demonstration. That's a sign. That's a, that'll make you wonder. Made Peter wonder. He thought he was having a dream. And then he got, got out, you know, walking. Well, he's walking through gates and doors are opening and everything. I mean, he had to be walking through some walls. What is that? They, that was in response to at John Mark's mama's house, they were having a prayer meeting. Listen, he's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God. So what does that mean? If we're not seeing it, that means we're not praying and praying in faith and expecting. They were corporately together in great expectation. Kind of. <laughs> because they didn't even expect what God did. This was, a, this was Ephesians 20, 3.20. This was exceeding. Because when Peter was knocking... At the door, Rhoda's like, uh, and, and, and she didn't believe it was him, and she shut the door on him. And then she ran in, tell everybody, and what, what, what happened? They're like, well, it's probably his angel. So maybe even then, oh, his angel? I don't even know where they pulled that one from. But they was correctly recorded, that's what they thought. I don't think your angel looks like you. You don't, you don't have a twin angel. So I think they were just speaking a little, because it was like, ah, what is this? Their prayers did that. The power they produced when they prayed. Amen? Come on, you know, uh, in Acts chapter 6, remember the, the, the leaders, the ministers, the apostles were serving tables, and there's nothing wrong with serving tables. But it was keeping them away from something. And they said, that's a point seven deacons, so that we can get back to praying and the word. And if you notice, prayer is number one, not number two. And I don't think there's any coincidence. Because if you don't pray, especially as a minister, you're powerless. You don't know what the Holy Ghost wants to do. It's just head to head. 
I can teach you out of my head. I've done this long enough. I can teach you out of my head. But it won't bless you. won't help you. won't change you. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Amen. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for the anointing. And they prayed. And then the Bible says, so they got back to praying. And it says, and the word of God increased. And the word of God increased. So when the word of God increases, what happened? Faith increases. And it says the number of disciples did what? Multiplied. How many know times two is pretty good? A minimum. That's what it means. Times two. And this is amazing. And a great number of the priests, which means what? The religious who denied Jesus. A great number of the priests did what? They were obedient to the faith. Not just believed, they were obedient to the faith. Acts 16. Paul and Silas, all they did was help a little girl with a demon, got her delivered, and then they got thrown in jail. But at midnight, you know this one, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. What was the result? God's power. What was God's power? Well, it got them out of prison. But also it did something else even more miraculous. It got a jailer and his entire family born again and water baptized that very same night. And the church of Thyatira came from a bunch of prisoners. A bunch of people who thought that people in the world would have thought God could never use them. Aren't you glad God can use people who everybody thinks is worthless? He turned a bunch. I, 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 I would love to know which one of those prisoners maybe ended up being the pastor. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know a church came because they were in Thyatira. And, and the Bible talks about a church. And church history says that a lot of that came from those, um, probably that little girl she, that got the demon cast out of her. She was probably the praise and worship leader. And, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. And Lydia came back and forth from pretty cool. Why? Prayer. I do. I just want to encourage you today. Do not fall into the trap. Do not. You have a real God who really answers prayer. And get good at getting around people who know how to pray. I encourage you to come Sunday nights, Wednesdays. If you can't make it here, tune in as we pray. Uh, Get in a prayer group. Um, get with friends and, and be, you know, come a half an hour early before you watch a football game and pray together. I don't know. Do something. Believe God. But you need to pray. It seems as though God can do nothing until somebody prays. So we need to, and yet we're not praying religiously. We're not praying just to soothe our conscience. When we pray, God hears us. James 5, 16 through 18. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer. Do I got anybody righteous in this room? Have you been made righteous? Well, you know, sometimes, Pastor, I just feel like our prayers are hitting a ceiling or 
You know, I feel like there's something brass. I've heard charismatic say this. Well, I just feel like there's a brass thing we need to break through. Baloney, baloney, baloney. There's no brass thing. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father. God lives in you. Come on, again, religion. Well, I just believe my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. No, when you pray in faith, God hears you when you pray. If you pray the word, and you got to are you righteous? Then when you, people should want you to pray for them. Why? Because when we pray, power comes. The effectual forever prayers of a righteous man avail, uh, the, the Amplified Classic. Can you put that up, Amplified Classic? The fervent fr- prayers uh, of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Amplified Classic. The prayers of a right, everybody say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, when I pray, the earnest, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his word. So say, when I pray, tremendous power is made available, dynamic in its working. Now see, you can't make somebody take that power, but you can make it available. Amen. Verse 17, King James. Elijah, he was just a man. I know he was a prophet, but James, by the Holy Ghost, wants you to know he's just a man. He puts his, uh, I started to say his his pants on one leg at a time, but probably back in the day, he put his robe on. (laughs) He combed his hair if he had any, just like you and me. He ate, needed to eat just like you and me. He's just a man. Elijah was a man. Oh, he had the same stuff. He had a flesh as we. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. What he did that? He did that the word of the Lord. And it rained on the earth by a space of three years and six months, verse 18. And he prayed again. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. What's the Holy Ghost saying? You're righteous. And I know you're just a man, you're just a woman, but when you pray, but when you pray, but when you pray, you ought to expect a demonstration. When you pray, you ought to expect a change. When you pray, you ought to expect the power of God. Come on, come on, come on. We're not of those who just pray to soothe conscience. We're not sending prayers, we're praying. And when we pray, we expect to change. Come on, you ought to get so confident in your prayers. I prayed for you today. And this is what I prayed over you. And this is what I'm expecting. This is what I prayed. This is the word I prayed over you. This is what I had in my heart to pray for you. I prayed for you today. And this is what I expect to happen. Amen. And then the Holy Ghost can give strategy. I remember... um, You know, and it's not just me because of pastor, and please don't get out of this. Oh, good for Pastor Mark. I was praying, and as a pastor of, you know, our size of church, I don't know everybody, and I don't know everybody's name all the time. Again, if you see me out in public, and I don't call you by name, help a brother out. And so anyway, so uh, anyway, and you know, but uh, every once in a while, I'll get something on my heart, and we were just working around here, and suddenly uh, I felt like a church member was in danger. I've had this happen so many times. Because we, Pastor Ron and I believe, and the staff, we believe to pastor supernaturally. 
We can't know everything about everybody, but Lord, you know what, what's going on? So I had something in my heart, so I called all the staff together, and we have the luxury of doing that, so everybody gets together, 14, 15 of us, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, and then suddenly I got a name. And so um, I'm praying, and I felt like this guy was in danger. And I could see him uh, in a truck, in a trailer, and and it seemed like the back of the trailer, he was going to get in a horrible accident. And I just couldn't let it go. And And sometimes when you call it out, when you pray it out, you can just be done. But I couldn't get a relief, and so I told Pastor Rhonda to go call him. Go call him. And I just, you know, and he actually, the truck, the trailer, and uh, just to check the load or do what, I don't remember all of it now. It's been a little while ago. Oh, I could call him up here. He could do it, but we don't have time. But, uh, um, but, I, but I felt like his life was in danger. Well, we prayed. God told me what to do. We did it. He did it. He's sitting in here this morning. I, I, I've had other things just I can count them to you that's being led by the Holy Ghost but a lot of times when that when the Holy Ghost urges you or prompts you to pray it's because he needs you to get in the spirit so he can download something to you so he can give you a strategy I tell this account somebody needs to hear it don't don't because the unction comes to pray then you've got to do what pray why because God wants to download something to you when our daughter was a little girl, she was in public school, and one morning I woke up and I knew that in uh, PE she was going to break her arm. And so it's not something you wake up with every day. So I prayed about it, prayed about it. And so then you wonder, what am I going to do with this? So I prayed, and I, I couldn't let it. It couldn't. It wouldn't go away. It wouldn't go away. It wouldn't go away. And so what do you do? Hey, I, um, this is Pastor Mark. I need to come get my daughter. Uh, the Holy Ghost just told me she's going to break her arm. I need to check her out. So you know. And so, you know, that didn't seem right. So I just called and I was like, well, finally Pastor Rhonda and I, she's like, we're her parents, we can do anything we want. Just go check her out. So we went down there and when I pick, we picked her up, she said, she's like, I was afraid, she was really little. She said, I was afraid to go to PE to play. I, I, was, I, 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 was, I felt like I was gonna get hurt. I can tell you other stories along those lines. Do we miss them every once in a while? Yeah, but let's start hitting them more. Amen? So when the Holy Ghost prompts you to pray, you're never too busy to stop and pray. You're going to miss something. And when you pray, expect God to download some answers. And when you pray, expect Him to move. Because He will.